live from Bios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Welcome to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome into the Ticket Weeknights. I'm Big Sky. No Terrence Badgett tonight. He is out for family matters. So I'll take you through the next two hours, get you up to the national programming at 8 o'clock. I got Maxwell Hang, horizontal jumps coach from the track team coming on later. Uh, Garrison Hughes and Mikey Hoffer in the second hour as well as our pole vaulters and a high jumper from the track team here on the Ticket Weeknights. I'd like to start off the show, though, talking about early signing day. We, we, we have a better picture of what Nebraska's class is going to look like today. They signed 13 players. Uh, and I it comes at a time in which I think Nebraska fans are needing a little bit of a confidence boost. Coming off a 3-9 and nine season, we're not quite sure what we have in uh, Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph, and the new offensive coaching staff. A position still available on that coaching staff, actually, so... I, I, it's it's a time when there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a need for hope among the fan base. And so I think picking up big commits like Jaden Gould, uh, Emmett Johnson, a guy who a lot of people are excited about, that's what this fan base needs right now. And myself as the perpetual Husker pessimist, uh, the foil to Terrence's usual optimism, I'm, I'm encouraged by the performance today. I love recruiting. I've always been into recruiting. And this year, it has been so lacking in in hope with how poorly the class has come together so far, sitting at 60th in the 24-7 rankings, that I, I almost didn't want to look at the recruiting ranking this year. So picking up some of those big-time commits and just seeing the class come together uh, with some guys that you weren't expecting coming into the week, it's it's growing my confidence. It's growing my optimism for this next season. And I'm curious to know what Husker Nation is thinking uh, tonight. If you have thoughts or comments on early signing day, call or text at 402-464-5685. Both those lines are open for you. Uh, also, be sure to tune in on the Sarder Heyman text line or the Sarder Heyman video stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Having a little bit of trouble with Twitch today, but hopefully... Uh, we're back up and running on that platform. I wanted to start with the Jaden Gould uh, commitment. I got him two days ago. Now he's signed. Letter of intent is in the hands of Nebraska. He's already on the roster online. And I think that might be one of the biggest signings or commitments of the day. I think it's easy to pick the number one recruit in the class as the, the biggest commitment. But given how much that position group is losing this offseason, I don't think it can be understated how crucial it is that you get a guy who can be an instant contributor on the field in his first year. He's an SI Top 99 recruit. He spoke with Sports Illustrated uh, earlier this week after committing to Nebraska, and he said he feels like he's ready to to contribute on the field right away at Nebraska. If that's in special teams, that's great. As we've seen, the Huskers have struggled in that area for the entire Frost tenure. But just looking at him as a defensive player, maybe not looking at what he can contribute on special teams, I think is is big because you're losing Cam Taylor-Britt. 
You're losing Markel Dismuke. You're losing Deontay Williams. You have to completely replenish that entire starting group virtually. Quentin Newsom, uh, he got his first year of starting under the belt this year. He's basically the veteran in that cl- uh, in that room now. So to get a highly talented player is what that secondary needs right now. And so I'm incredibly encouraged as I as I see Jaden Gould enter the class. Looking at his huddle tape, he's a guy who plays a, a very physical brand of, of coverage. He He's not afraid to come up and hit a receiver and dislodge the ball with a big hit. And I think that fits really well with what we've seen out of guys like Dismuke and Williams. Those are guys who aren't afraid to come up, lay a big hit, and, and get their get their jersey a little dirty. This isn't one of those diva cornerbacks who's who's only out there looking for interceptions, though he does get a lot of interceptions on his tape. He always seems to be around the ball. Uh, there's one play where he starts on the opposite hash mark. Quarterback throws an out route to the opposite side of the field, and he flashes from off screen, gets the interception. So it was really encouraging when I turned on his highlight tape. Um, obviously, you're only going to put the best best stuff on your own highlight tape, but he certainly has a lot of things to like uh, when you when you turn on his huddle tape. Uh, his and on 24/7 Sports, they have him uh, comped to Vernon Scott of the Green Bay Packers, my Green Bay Packers. He's he's another guy who is a physical safety uh, for the Packers, and he he's not afraid to lay a hit. And he's not the biggest contributor, but again, this is a guy who can play physical, and that is the brand that Travis Fisher's defensive backs like to play. Moving on down through the class, a guy like Emmett Johnson, hearing that he has the ability to be a big return guy. He, he takes care of that aspect for his high school team. Again, the return game has not been something that Nebraska has gotten a lot of production out of in the past. Samore Toure has been arguably one of our best return guys, and I'd say 90% of the time he's fair catching the ball. If Nebraska can get any production out of the special teams in the return game, that's going to be a huge boon to whatever Scott Frost, Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph, and the entire coaching staff is trying to do next year in what appears to be a make-it-or-break-it year. Picking up a guy uh, picking up a guy like Jake Applegate, who knows Husker athletics. He's been around the state. He's played for Lincoln Southeast. That pickup cannot be understated because in the past, you've lost in-state guys to opponents in the Big Ten. You lost Noah Fant to Iowa. I, you can't lose Nebraska guys to Big Ten opponents. Omaha, recruiting Omaha has been a struggle. We've, we've seen guys leave for Oklahoma, Oregon, Arizona State. It's, you have to recruit Nebraska well to be successful at Nebraska, and so getting a guy like Applegate is, is crucial. We've seen a lot of Nebraskans contribute big for the Husker squad in recent years. Cam Jurgens, Austin Allen, two guys that are leaving. Ben Silly, another guy that is leaving all Nebraska guys who were major contributors for Scott Frost for his entire tenure. So it's it, it can be easy to be pessimistic when you see a three-star. It's not a four-star or a five-star. And you can go look at Texas A&M's class, Clemson's class, Alabama's class, and, and wish that could be all Nebraska commits. But it's not going to happen overnight at Nebraska, and it never it was never going to. So I, I think you can look at this class and be encouraged because it seems like they're recruiting Big Ten bodies. Chase Androff is a Big Ten body. I, 
I went on the student section after he committed and I, I talked about how he's not the receiving tight end you'd expect out of a high flying spread offense, but he seems like a big 10 tight end, a guy who can, who can block. So I'm encouraged by early signing day, even though I like to be pessimistic about Nebraska. And I'm, I'm curious to, to ask Husker nation where you're at again, text in 402-464-5685 or call in. I'm happy to take any calls, but again, I, it's, it's encouraging. We're still missing a quarterback though. And losing your center and Cam Jurgens are tough. I, 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 there's, there needs to be a better word for that, but it's, it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow when you lose a guy you invested so much in. I've seen a lot of people talking about the Cam Jurgens going pro decision, I guess. And it makes sense for him. And I applaud him for making it to that stage in his football career. But for the Huskers, it's a tough loss. At quarterback, I'm going to get into it later in the show, some of the transfer quarterbacks that the Nebraska coaching staff appears to be looking at. It's It'll be interesting to see who they fill that role with. Right now, it seems like Miles Brennan is the number one guy that they're looking for in that class. I'm not sure if that should be the guy that they're looking at. It'll be more encouraging once we know who it is. If it is Miles Brennan, you hope the hope is that Mickey Joseph Joseph is familiar enough with him, and Mark Whipple is able to do a Kenny Pickett transformation project on him, and and give the Huskers the the quarterback that they've seemingly been missing for the last four years. I'm an Adrian guy. I don't think it was the quarterback position that was holding him back, but if it was, we will hopefully find out with the new transfer quarterback. And then also I want to talk about some of the guys that Mickey Joseph can uh, help bring in because of his connection to LSU. DeColdis Crawford, three-star wide receiver. He had a Nebraska offer before Mickey Joseph showed up. Mickey Joseph comes in. DeColdis Crawford decommits from LSU and names Nebraska in his top four. He's committing on Friday. He's announcing on Friday. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening there. Wide receivers have been a real mixed bag from the for the Frost tenure. You get Samore Toure, a transfer from Montana. He's a stud. You look at a guy like Darian Chase, not with the program anymore. Jamie Nance, again, not with the program anymore for various reasons. And it just seems like it's been really hit or miss for wide receivers in the Scott Frost era. Even Wandell Robinson, listed as a wide receiver on the roster, not with the program anymore. He was the best producing wide receiver recruit of the Frost era, and he didn't have a 1,000-yard receiving season with this offense. So it'll, it'll be interesting, again, to see how the big-body wide receivers that they've been recruiting, Omar Manning, Oliver Martin, those sorts of guys, how they adjust to the Mark Whipple offense. But it's all going to come down to that quarterback position. Is it going to be Miles Brennan? Is it going to be Max Johnson, Bo Nix, Keaton Slovis, Dylan Gabriel, Cameron Ward, or Logan Smothers? Heinrich Harburg is in play as well. Looking at 
the Mark Whipple offense compared to the Nebraska offense, courtesy of at jhorton402 on Twitter. He combined, or he compiled a list of the the numbers that matter for the Pitt offense and the Nebraska offense. Pitt averaged 15 more points per game, total of 224 more points over the course of the season, 28 more touchdowns, 89 more first downs. 5% better on completion percentage, 1,300 more passing yards, 83 more per game, four less interceptions. And in the red zone, Pitt had 12 more touchdowns, more passing touchdowns, less rushing touchdowns, but it comes out to a differential of 12 more touchdowns in the red zone. And that's a place where Nebraska really struggled. Can Whipple bring that brand of offense, that high-flying almost air raid offense bring it to nebraska and fix the problems that scott frost has had here i would like to say that answer is confidently yes but the quarterback is so crucial we saw how kenny pickett transformed that pit offense this year that it's 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 hard to say when you don't know who that guy's going to be if if the solution is in at nebraska everyone wants it to be yes But we don't know until we find out who's going to play quarterback. Is it going to happen the moment they get a transfer? Is there going to be a quarterback battle? That's what I'm curious about. Is there going to be a battle? Is Logan Smothers in this battle? Is Heinrich Harburg in this battle? Or is the transfer coming in with a guaranteed spot? Looking at the transfer quarterbacks that Nebraska could consider, or the, the biggest names in the market, Bo Nix, former five-star, he's transferring from Auburn, had three three seasons of more than 2,200 passing yards. He had 39 total touchdowns, 800 yards on the ground, and 18 touchdowns across three seasons as the starter uh, for the Auburn Tigers. He's not as much of a rushing threat as a lot of people like to think he is. And he never had more than 3,000 passing yards. And his highest touchdown uh, output passing is 16. I'm not sure if Bo Nix can come in and elevate this Nebraska squad to the place that they need to be uh, for Frost to retain his job. Miles Brennan, four-star, went to LSU. Best season at LSU, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. It's not eye-popping stats for a guy who was in his third season in that system uh loses the job to max johnson this year after after entering the transfer portal but he looking at his prep career fifteen thousand yards in high school 165 touchdowns that's that's encouraging to get a guy like that who is a who has a veteran presence who has seen college football that can be a guy that i think you can be confident about max johnson another transfer from lsu his one season starting, 2,815 yards, 27 touchdowns, six interceptions. I think that's another, I, more so than Miles Brennan, I think Max Johnson is a guy you can get excited about. It looks like he might be trending towards the Georgia Bulldogs. He's from Athens. But I'm encouraged by those two stat lines, Miles Brennan and Max Johnson's. Keaton Slovis, the transfer from USC, he got a lot of buzz going into the season as a Heisman candidate, as a top pick in the first round 
The stats don't really indicate that he got that kind of love, though. Only 2,152 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions in his best season at USC. And now he's in the transfer portal. Is he looking to potentially reclaim his career? Because Mark Whipple might be the guy that can do that. We saw Kenny Pickett spent four years at Pitt, never produced like he did. And then finally, this year, has a Heisman-esque year, gets invited to New York. And then finally, Dylan, or not finally, but Dylan Gabriel, three-star from UCF. He produced insane numbers in the American Athletic Conference. Two seasons of over 3,000 yards, 70 total touchdowns to only 14 interceptions. I think if the Huskers land Dylan Gabriel, you can be incredibly excited about the season to come. And then finally, Cameron Ward, the incarnate word quarterback, who has monster video game-esque numbers in the FCS, unranked out of high school, 4,648 yards, 47 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Of, of those quarterbacks, I think ranking by excitement as a Husker fan, you would be most excited for Dylan Gabriel because he is coming from uh, a place for, uh, Frost is familiar and was recruited by Frost out of high school. And then probably Miles Brennan because of the connection to Mickey Joseph and be the importance the coaching staff has placed on him. And then Max Johnson for his production this year. I'm, I'm not sure if Bo Nix moves the needle for me because of his lack of production. He looked incredibly pedestrian against a Big Ten opponent this year, uh, Penn State. It was game day that day, the wideout. He's in a hostile Big Ten environment. And he he didn't really rise to the moment. He kind of shrunk. Uh, did not put up very good stats. I don't have those numbers pulled. Uh, but I remember watching that game and not thinking, man, I wish this guy was at Nebraska. There's plenty of times where I'll watch another game and be like, wow, if Nebraska could have landed this guy in recruitment, especially so if they, they did offer that guy. But it didn't happen with Bo Nix. I never really had that moment with Miles Brennan. But looking at his high school stats his high school tape he is a guy I, I can get excited about even though he didn't flash it at lsu after joe burrow cameron ward is kind of the outlier the, the wild card in this entire thing putting up monster stats in the fcs it, it can be artificial because you played against lesser opponents or it can be legit because you put it up at the collegiate level and people disrespect the FCS all the time. I tend to lean towards respect for the FCS. I'm from Montana. We have, a, that's all we have in Montana is FCS football, Montana, Montana state, uh, go Grizz FTC, but Cameron Ward put up Trey Lance kind sort of numbers at incarnate word. I don't, I don't know if people realize that if it, it's FCS. It's lesser than FBS. But putting up monster numbers is putting up monster numbers. You don't fluke your way into 46,000 passing yards or 4,600 passing yards. You don't throw 47 touchdowns because it's lesser opponents. You're you're playing lesser opponents, but you're playing with lesser talent as well. So I think Cameron Ward could come in and be successful at Nebraska. I don't think we should be discouraged because he's an FCS quarterback. It's not scraping the bottom of the barrel. He visited Ole Miss today. SEC schools are considering this kid. 
402-464-5685, Sarder Heyman text line, Honda of Lincoln hotline. Uh, call, text your thoughts on who you would prefer for a Nebraska quarterback. Uh, Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg also in play. Uh, I, I I was a Logan Smothers believer before this uh, before the season as well, and the Iowa game didn't really shake my confidence in him. I think he can still be a successful quarterback in Nebraska. I'm not sure how the the change in offensive scheme is going to affect him, given he is a bit more of a dual threat guy who can really kill you with his legs and maybe doesn't have a monster arm. But Mark Whipple has been around college football for a long time. He's been at UMass. He's been at Pitt. Now he's at Nebraska. I think he can figure out how to utilize Logan Smothers if that is the quarterback he has to ultimately use. Nick, can you hear me over there? He cannot. He's not listening to me. I was going to ask him who he was thinking about for uh, the quarterback position. Oh, there we go. What's up? I was of Bo Nix, Miles Brennan, <clears throat> Max Johnson, Keaton Slovis, Dylan Gabriel, Cameron Ward, and the two quarterbacks already on the roster. Yeah. Which one of those gives you the most confidence if they're under center for Nebraska for the opener oh. next year? I honestly don't know. Hold on. Um, I don't. I don't know because the reason that I say I don't know is I don't know what Nebraska the the staff's goal is. Well, that, that's the big wild card. You you look. It's a change in scheme. So if it was still mm-hmm. Lubick, you'd know what they needed out of a quarterback. But right now <laughs> would, you're not would sure. We? You you would like to think you knew what they wanted out of a quarterback. I, I still don't know because if you go back and and it really stinks because I I do like Logan Smothers. I like what he um, offers in a situ in a cer- certain way. But with with Logan Smothers, you saw it against uh, Iowa. I mean, they they had to simplify it and maybe having another year under their belt or under his belt will will help him. But they had to simplify the offense quite a bit for him to to run it successfully against Iowa, and it worked. But you have to sit back and question whether or not running a quarterback 20-plus times a game is a long-term sustainable option, and, and I don't think it is. Um, so I'd be interested in what they're doing there. Uh, with Logan, I don't know if you saw the quote today. Scott Frost said, quote, they're leaning towards taking a quarterback in the portal. I think that's been the general consensus uh, for – I think Husker fans have known that for some time. But, but leaning, not – that, that quote doesn't necessarily say that they are for sure taking a guy. And and here's – you keep going back to it, and Rico and I have talked about it, and I know this isn't necessarily the question that you asked me, but it, it's almost – that's the part that, that worries me. Um, not because I don't think Logan is is a good talent or capable of being a starting quarterback at a Power 5 school. It's not that. It's that so far, under having two years under this staff's work, Scott Frost has, has stayed there. Obviously, they've changed offensive coordinators, quarterback coach, whatever. But under this staff through two years, as bad as it got for Adrian, I mean, Big Sky, you and I are both big Adrian guys, but as bad as it got, they still believed that Adrian, even when he was thrown four interceptions in a game, they still felt like Adrian gave them their best chance to win. So now when I sit back and I look at this and I think, how confident can they really be in Logan or even Heinrich Harburg? You, you got you can't think you can't say with certainty that they're hundred percent confident going out, especially when it was against Iowa and when when Nebraska needed Logan to throw the ball, 
he he kind of folded a little bit. And Nebraska should have won that game because they were up twenty-one to six. But when he needed to needed to open up the playbook a little bit, he struggled. All right, you're the GM of Husker football. Ooh, we're we're making a new position. I'm taking a quarterback. Yes, which quarterback are you taking? Oh, of the people out there, are you are you anti Cameron Ward because he's an FCS no, quarterback? I, I don't think so. Um, I am more hesitant toward Cameron Ward because we have seen this staff uh, not be able to develop guys. So I'm I'm hesitant. Uh, I I think and and I asked I'll ask you this as well. I mean, does Nebraska need to go after a proven winner, or should they go after a guy that fits their scheme? I think it's scheme over a quarterback. I, I hate that wins are a quarterback stat. I I've always well. I don't think they are. I, I I'm saying though, if you take Spencer Rat, you take Spe- like a guy like Spencer Rattler, you take him even if he does not fully um, fit your scheme to the T, because he has won a lot of games and he has that experience. Yeah, and I think you take I, him over over a guy from Incarnate Word just because he's a proven winner at that level. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I would say. Spencer Rattler's doesn't exactly not fit the steam uh, the the scheme. He he's he's talented enough that his talent outweighs the scheme. Well, and I think it'll be interesting. And and we've heard we've heard how Mark Whipple will adjust the offense to their quarterback and stuff. And so I don't know if they do go get a quarterback, which I, I'm guessing they will. Um, if they do go get a guy like. Miles Brennan, or even or even uh, Johnson, Miles Johnson from LSU, Max Johnson, Max Johnson. Thank you. Even if they do go get a, a Miles Brennan, who's not necessarily as athletic, nearly athletic as Adrian Martinez, you still wonder um, what this offense is going to look like because I don't think they want to fully jump into the air raid pool. I don't think they should fully think, jump in into the air not, raid pool. It doesn't seem like it'd be sustainable in the Big Ten. Yeah, but see, and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how desperate this staff gets. Their backs up against the wall. It will be. Uh, don't sleep on Miles Brennan as a as a rusher though, Nick, because he did have over a thousand yards rushing in high school. So he's he's not he's not a statue in the pocket. He's no Tanner Lee, but I agree he is not the athlete that Adrian Martinez is. We're going to head to break. On the other side of this break, we have horizontal jumps coach for the Nebraska track and field team, Maxwell Hang. We're going to talk to him. They just had their red-white inter-squad meet. Uh, I went. It was incredibly fun. Uh, every every athlete is a personality, and it's just a fun team to be around. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that uh, after this. We apologize for the technical difficulties here. Uh, we're going to bring it right back into the studio. We got horizontal jumps coach for the UNL track and field team, Maxwell hang with us max how are you doing tonight i'm doing great how are you i i'm i'm, I'm good <laughs> now max and i were roommates for virtually all of the last track season as i was a manager with the team so i am familiar with max already oh yeah do i snore max only every other time oh, every other <laughs> night or every other meet? every other uh, every other trip okay all right <laughs> well and i sometimes i leave tiktoks playing all night <laughs> that, yeah that was a good night uh so you were a manager. Now you're a coach. Yep. What I guess. How, what did it take to make that transition? Um, I would say the biggest thing that ended up in my favor was working with the head coach himself, Gary Pepin. 
Um, I was his manager personally because each each manager is assigned to a coach, and I just worked hard. I mean, I, I you know I don't want to like boost myself up or anything, but I I loved being there, and I mean, and I would volunteer hours. So you know, managers get paid, but we only get paid a certain amount. So. I would go over my limit and I would be there volunteering because I just, I loved being there and I love the track and field environment and especially at Nebraska, it's awesome. So that's probably what stood out, I'm guessing. Uh, I can attest to it. I, <laughs> I spoke with some guys at the, uh, around the track team uh, this last weekend and they said, you're a hard worker. So uh, I guess you didn't do jumps in high school. I, I didn't. And that's that's kind of the fun talking point for a lot of people when they ask me, um, what I coach and I say I coach the jumps and they asked me what I what I jumped in college or high school and I said I never jumped um I it's just it's really I learned everything I know from coach Pepin and I also learned some from uh coach Hutchinson he's he's now the head coach for the horizontal jumps at the Naval Academy uh he was here the past couple of years as in the position that I'm in now assisting with the horizontal jumps so um, it's, I was just sitting there the first couple of years. I was a manager, just soaking in all the information that they have. And I mean, coach Pepin's one of the best out there. He's in, he's in the hall of fame. So, I mean, it's proven right there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, as a manager did not show up every day and soak in every <laughs> moment. I, I, I couldn't technically tell you how to throw a shot put or how to pole vault. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more than the average person for pole vault, but, uh, <laughs> What what about track and field made you want to just pick up everything and glean everything you could off of those two guys? I grew up really around track and field my whole life. My sister ran track and she graduated um, uh, five years before I graduated in high school. So I grew up around that environment and my dad ran track too. Um, there were some of my uncles ran track. Like we, I was just around it my whole life. And when I grew up going to the state meet for the Nebraska state meet, um, for those who have never been, it's really kind of a special environment. It's really cool. Um, just cause there's a bunch of classes there and people from all over the state come into this and they pack into Burke stadium in Omaha and it's just a fun event. And, it's just really cool to see all the people cheering on other schools that they've never even heard of for, you know, the class C and D schools. And then I got here and I was a manager and I really just saw how athletic some of the athletes are on the team and just how really cool the jumps uh, area is and as a whole, just in the track and field. I think uh, track is unique in that way because as somebody who doesn't uh, understand the technical side of uh, track and field yeah. myself it's still something i can respect because i know i can't go out there and jump you know oh yeah 15 meters yeah or or whatever what did what did mikey jump at uh at prelims last year yeah i mean he yeah he jumped what it was like 20 25 something it, i i i can't remember off the top of my head but it, I, it's, inhuman honestly yeah well and you know he he said he had a great day at at, at the regional meet you know he, he he had a pr in the long jump and a pr in the high jump i mean jumping seven two and then going over and jumping it was like 25 six i think it was i mean that's just it, it's a great day it's crazy yeah mikey uh michael hoffer will be on later later tonight at seven thirty with awesome. harrison hughes yep awesome uh i, I next thing i want to get to is you know what makes a great track athlete in your eyes is it hard work is it 
you know, all in just yeah. naturally gifted talent or what? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, as the old adage goes, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So, I, I mean, definitely talent. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, you bring up Mikey Hoffer. He, I mean, we, we had a track of Palooza Saturday, a couple of Saturdays ago, and you could just, I mean, you know, we do play dodgeball and we play kickball and it's not a coincidence that some of the best athletes we have on the team are also just all around crazy good athletes, chucking the football 50 yards down the field, stuff like that. And, but it, it's, it's also important to work hard because what, what a lot of people don't understand is we start practice the day after uh, Labor Day. And we work all the way through and the national championships are in June. So we're, we're there all the time. And I mean, you know, we're, 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 we're restricted per NCAA rules, you know, so many practice hours in a week, but those guys that show up and, and especially like weeks like this, if they can make the time uh, between studying and come for the voluntary practices that are this week, it clearly shows the best ones are usually the ones that show up on those Saturdays too, that are voluntary practices. Uh, you, uh, when we spoke this weekend, you were excited about the team this year. Yes. Uh, what can uh, Husker fans expect from this Nebraska track and field team? Um, a lot of success really all over the board. Um, I've, I, you know, I don't want to put too many expectations on the team, but the men's side in particular, um, there's definitely a good chance to win the conference, the big 10 conference. And there's a very, very good chance to place top 10 nationally uh, for the indoor season and possibly the outdoor season. And for the women's side, it's, I mean, same, really same thing. I mean, definitely place in the top three or four in the Big Ten and have a chance to do the same thing indoor and outdoor for the national championship. So there's, there's a lot of talent really all over the board this year. Uh, as we saw this weekend, uh, thrower Alex Talley sets the school record at the uh, K-State Winter Invitational. Yep. Uh, Justin St. Clair, he's gotten a lot of recruiting uh, wins, I would say. Uh, it seems like Husker Corn Throwers is tweeting every other day with a new uh, commit. Yep. Uh, but some of the other event groups got some big recruiting wins this year. Can you speak to some of those people who have already signed? Uh, what are you guys excited about? Yeah, I mean, we're excited for, I mean, a lot of people, you know, I would say a uh, shout out to Brenton Emanuel. He's, he's signed a decent sprinting class so far. And, you know, we got, we got a couple guys coming in next year that are definitely going to change just, um, the way that the sprints group is now. And it's also going to change, uh, at the semester, you know, we got a guy coming in too. So I, I, I think that the, the new coaching staff is definitely getting some big recruiting wins. Uh, your event group, uh, horizontal jumps in particular. Yeah, it seems in particular the women's side seem to have really good chemistry. I have seen a number of TikToks with <laughs> virtually the entire event group together. Yeah, uh, even though I've I've commented that Coach Hang needs to get in, <laughs> uh, I have yet to see you in one. What makes what what builds chemistry on a track team and in an individual sport? Yeah, I mean, I think that. A big part of it, um, I think we saw personally firsthand last year of traveling. Uh, last year, since we didn't host a lot of meets, like we, I mean, this year we will. We'll host a lot of indoor meets, but last year we didn't get to host a lot of meets. So traveling is huge just because you spend all those hours on a bus and then you end up in a hotel stuck with each other because we couldn't leave the hotel last year. So 
they were all with each other and it's also like i said all those practice hours and that group works really hard um, i'm not on tiktok myself so maybe that's the reason why i'm not in those tiktoks but um they those that, that group is special just because and they also make an effort to see each other outside of the the practice and meets so as and, and and that really helps really the competitive atmosphere in practice it's it's pretty special it's cool to watch uh now beyond just the event group there you see a lot of overlap in i guess roommates aren't aren't all in from the same you know it's not all pole vaulters it's not all yep. uh, jumpers 100 uh, how do you build chemistry across events when you don't necessarily practice together every day yeah that's and that's kind of the unique thing about track and field is it's a lot of individuals competing but you know we all wear the same jersey and they're all repping the same team so it's it like like I just mentioned earlier, you know, we did a track of Palooza Day where we invited the whole team just to come and into the Hawk Center and we played some dodgeball. We you know gave them gave them some food and we watched you know the Husker football game. Um, just having events like that where the team can also just intermingle and meet people that they may not necessarily see because of their practice times and meet other people from event groups and you know before you know it, you got a distance runner living with a horizontal jumper i mean it's it's happening right now uh now shifting gears a little bit yeah you are a new orleans pelicans fan <laughs> i am uh but also a detroit lions fan <laughs> i'm all over the place yes <laughs> how, how did you land with the pelicans how did you land with the, the lions so I'll, I'll you know i'll start with the pelicans um when i I'm, I'm i'm pretty young so when i was first picking my nba team the hornets the new orleans hornets were switching to become the new orleans pelicans so i was i thought that was pretty cool and they had an upcoming star in anthony davis at the time so that's how i picked that team and it's it's been an, it's been a fun ride i i really miss the boogie ad era i'm really sad boogie got injured and it makes me sad to see those boogie uh highlight reels just because that was a really fun team to watch and i thought they were actually going somewhere well now demarcus cousins he's with my milwaukee Bucks. yeah and i mean he's not the starter and the player he once was but i mean it's nice to see him out there playing and then for the lions i'm you know i've been a lifelong husker fan and I just followed Sue to the Detroit Lions. That's that's how I picked that team. It, it's the logic you used. It's sound. It's not. It's not <laughs> bad. And it's. I think a lot of kids go and look at you know. Oh, what's new? That's what I want to be a fan of. But I don't think you could have made any like worse picks. Oh, for, for right now, yeah, it's just horrible. I mean, those two teams right there might be the number one picks in the next NBA and NFL drafts so you know an exciting future to look forward to especially when zion williamson is never going to play again <laughs> uh you were you were not a fan of the zion pick going into the draft i want a jaw and it, it look how it's turning out it, it looks <laughs> it looks like it would have been the better move to, to go after john morant yeah i mean nothing against zion i still think he's a tremendous player i just think that i always think guard play is what you need to draft ahead of um, any bigs or even forwards. So that's that's that was my main reasoning. And I also just thought John Morant was going to be a special player, which sometimes your guesses turn out right, sometimes they turn out wrong. Maybe you'll get a little Nebraska flair with the Pelicans. They'll go after Bryce McGowan. <laughs> that, that, that would be fun. That would be something. Get Isaiah Roby down there. You could just rebuild the, uh, <laughs> the the greatest hits in Nebraska Nebraska basketball. Yeah, before you know it, you got a you know NBA title team. Normally, 
go to break right here. Still having technical difficulties. No so worries. I'm just going to steal you and take you into the final segment of my hour here. I was going to talk about Steph Curry. Oh, yeah. So special. Yes. Beats Ray Allen's three point, uh, made, three-pointers made record at 2,973. He surpassed it now. And in your opinion, do you think anyone will ever match Steph Curry's record when he's done? I mean, and the thing is, he's not even close to done. He's like, I mean, maybe just out of his prime, maybe. I don't know. He's still putting up these numbers, and he's just running around screens like he was, you know, five years ago when KD was on the Warriors even. So it's just, it's crazy to see how good he is. And, I mean, he's wasn't it like almost half the games Ray Allen did it in? I mean, it was insane, the stat. I, I, I mean, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but... He's, I don't think anyone will ever break that, honestly. I mean, it'll be, I'm sure someone will down the line, like maybe a hundred years from now or something, but I feel like you you look back at this and it's just one of those stats where it's like Wilt's 100 points. So if I were to ask, is the person who's going to break Steph Curry's record in the NBA right now, your answer would be no. No, no, I don't think so. Given, given how insane how amazing this record is and just his ability to shoot the lights out does Steph Curry need to have does he deserve more respect in the goat discussion because right now he's not really I know one of those guys that's disgusting and but he's a three-time champ two-time MVP seven-time all-star he's made seven all NBA teams mostly first team one third team two second teams does he deserve to be in the GOAT discussion with the likes of LeBron, Michael Jordan, and Kobe? Because, you know, why doesn't he, I guess you could ask. And what can you point to that, you know, he, oh, well, he hasn't done it by himself. Well, I mean, no one really does it by themselves to win a title or anything like that. And he he had a great year last year when Clay Thompson was out and, and Draymond had an off year, so I don't know why you say he shouldn't. But it's just like for some reason he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he belongs. I don't know why it is. Horizontal jumps coach Maxwell Hang from the University of Nebraska track and field team joining us, uh, talking oddly enough NBA. We, we were on track. Now we're on the NBA. Uh, I think that Steph Curry should definitely be included because if LeBron James is included, he has. The career accolades as well but a lot of the times the stat that's thrown on the most is championships and Steph Curry's right on LeBron's heels with championships with a better winning percentage in finals so that's kind of where I'm at I'm not gonna say that I think that Steph Curry's legacy is better than LeBron I still think LeBron James is probably the better player in an all-time list but I, I, it, it doesn't make sense when Steph Curry is just omitted from from that debate yeah, I I agree. Um, and y- you can even put all of the the titles he's won up there, and it's just like I I'm trying to pinpoint a reason why because he's even changed the you know the way the game is played. I mean, you can point to the Rockets maybe trying to play that way and trying to change it, and they went up against the Warriors and they got they got beat. So it's like what. I think he should deserve at least in the top five, I would say. But is he the greatest of all time, and does he impact the his own team the way like LeBron would? I don't think so. Uh, who who is your uh, goat in in that debate? I guess. 
I think it has to be LeBron. Really? For me, it's LeBron because the way that he just can will teams, even bad teams, to the playoffs and through the playoffs, it's just insane. I mean, no one can do it like that. And you can point to Jordan, but it was just Jordan had help always. I mean, he had Pepin, he had Pippen, and he had Rodman, and he had all. I mean, all sorts of guys. Steve Kerr. <laughs> I, Jordan had help, but he also was six and zero in finals, and that's more finals than LeBron has. Yep, better winning percentage. Yep, and I would say. We're going to try to go to a quick break to see if our technical difficulties are fixed. If not, we'll just keep going on the GOAT debate. But I'm going to try and start a commercial here. Okay. It is still doing it, Mark. <laughs> uh, back to the GOAT, de- uh, goat debate there. I, it, it's got to be Jordan. He's a better, he, he has more finals. He was undefeated in the finals. He's a, he's a better leader. He, I, I don't think that's an arguable fact. No, I agree. I think also that the better athletes in this day and age are playing basketball instead of going to play football and maybe even, you know, back then baseball. I think that the, it's more, I I know there were a lot of really great players back then. I don't mean to like downplay any of them, but I think this era's NBA is more competitive. I mean, I don't know if any like I don't know if you've seen it, but Steph Curry was shaking Miles Garrett's hand yesterday, and they were the same height, and they basically looked like the same weight and build. And I don't know how you can tell me that the better athletes are playing the NBA when Steph Curry looks as big as Miles Garrett. Steph Curry looks as big as Miles Garrett. Yes. Have you seen that photo? I have not seen that photo, but Steph Curry does not look as big as Miles Garrett. Well, that's because you're comparing, a, you know, twigs to these guys in the NBA that are just absolute monsters. I'm telling you, it's different. I, the text line agrees with me, and I kind of I kind of <laughs> set you up because I knew the text line is uh, is Jordan uh, Jordan fans right, more so than LeBron fans. Fair but, enough. Uh, the milkman agrees with me he says jordan <laughs> is far and above everybody else and i have to agree with them you know you and i were sitting in in uh, college station texas when lebron walks out on his team against the philadelphia or uh, the phoenix suns this year jordan i don't think would have ever done that with his squad and in fact you look at similar scenarios where they get down in a series and jordan pulls his team together and wills them to victory lebron walks off the court three minutes early yeah but i'm telling you that LeBron has had teams that had way less help than those Jordan Bulls, and he's took them all the way to the finals. I think you're speaking specifically to his first Cavs squad. Yes. They lost the finals. Yeah, but he, I mean, I'm not saying that rings matter as much as you do. I think that winning and getting to the finals is as much of like it's it, it's a really big accomplishment and the way that we are now is like it's all or nothing and i think that we need to step back for a minute sometimes and just look at what's important in terms of how great a player is and i don't know if we should measure it just by six and oh rings it should also be by how much they're winning and also by how great of a teammate they are i 
Is LeBron a good teammate? I don't know. I, I would say I'm not in the locker room with him. I, from <laughs> from what we can tell from the last dance, Jordan was hard on his on his teammates, but he wasn't a bad teammate. He was a good leader. He was able to motivate guys and and get them ready to go. He shared the ball, the pass to, to Steve Kerr for the uh, the three pointer. Yeah, I, sure he did. I, I don't see the same things out of LeBron. I think the reason why this debate normally settles on finals wins and losses is because, for the most part, they are very similar in all their other career accolades yeah and so it's the easiest thing to point to that this guy has won more finals than this guy yeah but i also think that you could also point to i mean you know we're getting outside of basketball here but there's also the way that lebron has changed the player empowerment in this league and how much players have the power now over the owners or even the coaches. LeBron has done a lot for uh, player mobility and the ability for guys to get out of bad situations. You shouldn't be a fan of that considering AD used what LeBron did to get out of New Orleans. But, (laughs) uh, I mean, what you do for, I guess, the mobility of players shouldn't reflect on your greatness as a basketball player. Is that a fair? Is that fair? Yeah. So, but I feel like that discussion always comes up because you know you got the Jordan never saying anything in in political discussions and never speaking outside of playing golf, and that's it. All right, we're going to try to head to another break. Uh, if it if it goes, it goes, and we'll <laughs> we'll t- we'll take the break with it. But if it doesn't, we'll keep talking. <laughs> 